What's going on, folks? Welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Oh, the trade deadline, it's coming closer and closer. And so the trade chatter is heating up. Pierre Lebrun standing by. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the Edmonton Oilers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, and a few other teams might be up to. Looking forward to that chat as well. Florida Panthers general manager, Bill Zito. Thoughtful interview. Talked about where his team is at, a lot different than this time last year. What are they going to be able to do? Definitely favorites. The team is a banger this year, no question. Um, and a great interview coming up with Bill Zito. As always, Got Your Back NHL Edition is brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. They've got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents, sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, and drinkware. And also that fantastic switchback heated chair. Go to kumaoutdoorgear.com and experience luxury outdoors with Kuma Outdoor Gear. Going to do a bit of an abbreviated headline segment today. A breakdown segment, I should say, uh, as Mike Johnson is on the road. So we have Pierre Lebrun. P, how are you, my man? I'm all right. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun with Bill Zito. I hope, uh, hope our viewers and listeners enjoy that. Yeah, you know, the thing that struck me about it, we asked him a question about taking advantage of, you know, where they are in terms of attracting players, unapologetic about the weather, about all the things you can do when you're a member of the Florida Panthers. They encourage their players to take advantage. They're not ashamed of all that they have to offer down there, and they don't feel the need to put the clamps on the players as far as what they're up to in enjoying Florida. I love that answer from him. It's real life, and and believe me, there's a handful of teams, and we've talked about this, that you know are in tax-free, state income tax-free places in the NHL who have good programs because winning matters too. And those teams right now are more attractive to most players than a lot of teams in the league. I mean, both Florida teams, Dallas, Vegas, uh, you know, these are just realities, uh, and and that's why. You know, when, when a guy like Matthew Kachuk has a five-team list that he gives the Calgary Flames a couple of years ago, both Florida teams are on it. Dallas yeah. is on it. Vegas, I think Vegas is on it. But, um, you know, it's, it's I think Carolina was on it too. But that's the reality of today's NHL. But you have to win. And, and the story in South Florida, Ryan, as you know, is that, you know, they went so long without winning a playoff series and they finally won one a couple of years ago. Then they go to a cup final and now they look as legit as ever as a team that could come out of the East. So watch out there in South Florida. That interview coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, by the way, did you see the Quinton Byfield goal last night? Holy smokes. The confidence that this guy is playing with this season, one of the best dangles we'll see this year, P. Well, and the Kings, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I've written about this. I, I hate that the coaching change is the one thing that teams have left to do to shake up their team, but the Kings – have seemingly turned it around now, right? After the coaching change, the Oilers turn it around after the coaching change. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. You, you wish there was another way, but, and believe me, Rob Blake, when you watched his press conference, when he announced Tom McClellan's firing and the coaching change, you could see the pain in his, in his body language. Mm. He hated firing his buddy, but he knew that if he was going to save the season, he had to do it. And now the Kings are finding themselves again here. So little roster flexibility, so way to elicit. It's it's the fastest way. It's like shock therapy, right? Just boom, just a jolt to the group, whether it's good, bad, you're not sure what's going to happen, but it's definitely a jolt. 
and we've seen a few of those jolts work. Let's get to the breakdown here, Pierre, brought to you by Kinprint. Over 100 combined years of experience. If you can dream it, Kinprint can make it happen. A family-owned company that can assist you with all of your branding needs. Visit kinprint.ca. Austin Matthews returning home tonight to play uh, a game. And uh, I just want to start the pod real quick with a tip of the hat. Just the goal-scoring pace that he's on here, Pierre. On pace, 75 goals in 81 games. Seven goals in his last three games, 49 in 53. This is a ridiculous pace, you know, even by Matthew's standards. Pretty damn impressive, Pierre. I mean, you'd think that he would stop finding ways to 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 wow you, but but this is the best he's ever looked, you know. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, a couple of years ago he had a similar pace, but this is even more I'm when I look at it, I see a guy that's finding even more ways to score from different areas of the ice and and um, it, it is phenomenal. I think it was Jonas Siegel in The Athletic that my colleague who wrote a piece about era adjusted. This is basically the, you know, the second most impressive goal scoring season so far since Brett Hall in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy company. And, you know, I know that, you know, the Quizmaster has brought this up way before anyone else ever did. But, you know, we're seeing... Ovechkin chase Wayne Gretzky right now at the end of Ovechkin's career over the next couple of years. Is it too early to already say is Austin Matthews going to pass Alex Ovechkin? I mean, honestly, <laughs> the way he's scoring right now at his clip, yeah. uh, and it's it's a legitimate conversation. Lots of years left in his career. He's got to stay healthy. All those things, the team around him, and so on. But it is absolutely phenomenal to watch. Not exactly a ton of highlight reel stuff. Not a lot of crazy dangles and amazing this, amazing that. Just a ton of unreal shots, unreal snipes. The guy just snipes. He picks. Bill Zito in his interview talked a little bit about uh, Carter Verhage. How a lot of guys just when they get a chance they shoot, whereas he he aims right. He he knows exactly where he's going all the time. Austin Matthews to me, Pierre, his ability to pick spots on the fly on the move change the location of the puck and still be accurate with it. It's almost unmatched. Well, and you know, Connor Bedard has said this, that because we talked a lot about Connor Bedard's release and how he can get a shot off, you know, in traffic without the defender getting a stick. And he said that he, he grew up watching Austin Matthews release. That was the, one of the, you know, the releases that really influenced a young Connor Bedard because Austin Matthews has been doing that from the get go. Um, you know, I get to watch it here in Toronto. He, he, you think he's covered. You think the lane is is gapped up, and bang, there goes the release from Austin Matthews. He's he's almost impossible to stop. Other Toronto news: uh, Morgan Riley suspension upheld. We won't spend a ton of time on this. We talked about this after the incident. We all thought ah, three games ish was probably a little bit more appropriate, but at no point did anybody expect Gary Bettman to adjust this at all. Yeah, I, no I did. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean. Mm-hmm. The idea that somehow this is going to be brought down the four. I understand the argument that was made for it, but the argument that was made for it to me was not realistic because the only thing that I was looking at is whether I thought Gary Bettman's brain was going to go there. And I did yeah. not think the commissioner was going to go there and, and say what you want, whether you agree or disagree with Gary Bettman on these appeals, it's fun to actually read his entire decision because they release it to the public. And, and it's worth your time, again, even if you disagree, to go through all the things that, that he lists as to why he decided not to reduce his suspension. 
Okay, let's get to some uh, trade talk. I watched Insider Trading the other day. Saw you on Jay Onride's show last night. By the way, I recall you and I being in the Olympics together, Pierre. And I recall yeah, you man. and I having quite a bit of fun together at the Olympics. In right? Sochi. We like a, in Sochi, yeah. right? It was you and me. We were doing our thing out there. I watched Onride's show last night, and suddenly you're campaigning to have him with you at the next Olympics. What was with I, that? I believe- I, I dropped my cereal was, bowl. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. He was campaigning, and he wanted me to endorse it, and I did. But I was yeah. not campaigning. I was supporting his campaigning of being in Italy. But there's well, room for the you, same too, thing. buddy. That's there's the room same for thing. you, like, too. But, Pierre, I was watching, and I'm fully expecting you to say, well, Jay, you might have to arm wrestle Ryan Rashog, my partner in crime. You know, we've done an Olympics together. I'm going to be calling Andre today, boy. By the way, do you know that was 10 years ago? You and I were doing Crazy. those hits every day in Sochi. 10 years ago in Russia. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure there'll be a Facebook memory that pops up, and I'll, I'll look and marvel at both of our hairlines and how much has changed in that time. Dave Parker has all the evidence probably somewhere. <laughs> he does, our ace cameraman. Okay, let's get to some trade chatter. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins end up dropping a, a much-needed point. Um you mentioned yeah. a couple of names, right? We, we know the obvious one. Jake Gensel's the one that's talked about a lot, but you dropped a name last night that I thought was interesting that should get lots of interest in, in Riley Smith. So just describe the situation as it sits in front of Kyle Dubas and what the likelihood is that there's a bit of a sell-off here. Yeah. So I think it's important to know. I don't think Kyle Dubas and Jim in Pittsburgh has raised the white flag per se, but okay. from talking to other front offices around the league over the last 48 to 72 hours, it's pretty evident that he is now listening on pretty much his entire roster other than his core guys, which is important to <laughs> to, to yeah. underline there. But but that still leaves a lot of players that the Penguins are listening on. It doesn't mean that they're going to be crazy active, but it means they're listening. And, you know, Riley Smith is a name that I know a couple of teams have kicked tires on. An intriguing name for obvious reasons. Stanley Cup winner last year in Vegas you know, that kind of sort of veteran that you love bringing in if you're a contender lacking a bit of experience. The caveat, though, is that he's not a rental. He's got another year in his deal at $5 million, which might be a little rich for some teams. It's always hard for me to, to know. It's in the eye and the beholder, I guess. But then again, there are teams who would rather, if they're going to spend assets, get a guy for two playoff runs, not just one. Yeah. Um, you know, think of the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, I quoted Don Waddell on Monday in my piece in The Athletic saying that, again, if they're going to spend uh, high district assets, you know, uh, high rent assets at this deadline, that they'd rather get a player with term paths this year. That's been their MO under owner Tom Dundon uh, over the last several years. So there's maybe a guy, Riley Smith, that fits into, you know, what they're looking at. So I, that's why I brought up his name, you know, Ryan, because he, his name hasn't really been out there that much. But, you know, we'll see if he moves or not. The Edmonton Oilers and Ken Holland. Um, team that I cover here in town. What are you hearing about kind of the level of activity that's happening beneath the surface? How fast are the Ducks' feet moving here, even if it looks calm up top? And what's your sense on it? I mean, they've been inquiring on pretty much every name you can think of is, is what I'm hearing <laughs> from other teams is that the Oilers have been really busy doing their due diligence and getting a firm understanding of what they can get done here. And, um, you know, you guys have talked about it a ton, uh, you know, obviously on the Oilers got your back, but they want to add 
a top six winger, uh, but certainly at the very least, you know, for their forward group. And, but I also think that there's a possibility they try to upgrade on their D. And, and so they're really having all those conversations right now. And, and the hard thing is, as you know more than me, but if they do that on D, for example, they can't just add. They're going to have to subtract. And, and so that's a difficult conversation internally, right? Um, is this an upgrade? And, and what does this do to the room? And so those conversations are happening internally too. I think the ad up front is more obvious and, and, and isn't as, you know, how would I put it? I don't, I don't think it's as distracting if you're adding in your, you know, I think it's obvious they've had so many different people, as you know, play on the second line that I think that's an obvious ad or, or is there another way? I, I think you mentioned this to me, you know, do you add, you know, do you add a, a third line center and, and move McLeod? you know, to the wing. There's a lot of different ways that you can get at this, I guess, if you're the Oilers. Mm -hmm. And they're having those conversations for sure. Yeah, Nick, <clears throat> excuse me, Nick Bukestad was one of the names we've been tossing around. They just just played Arizona. Bukestad had a great game. Right. He was their ad last year. The interesting thing about Bukestad is, is he can be your third line center. He can win you some face-offs. Right. And he did win some big face-offs for him last year. He allows you to play Ryan McLeod, for example, is up in the top six right now. So, I think they right. need a, a top six right winger, but those can be expensive and tough to get. Mm -hmm. I don't know, a, re, a complete redo on Nick Bukestad. And I imagine he's got a year left here at $2.1 I imagine Arizona be listening on that guy. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. Arizona's listening big time right now. They've had a disastrous yeah. month and fallen uh, out of the race. And uh, now they have more pressing matters like they're pending UFAs. I mean, Matt Dumba tops the list as far as, a, you know, pending UFAD, um, you know, so that'll take more attention for GM Bill Armstrong. But you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, they're probably open-minded to a lot of things. Uh, they got a lot of players coming in the pipeline. I don't know how they're going to fit all the guys. Adrian. They keep drafting in yeah. Arizona. And I think they have like something like 20 draft picks over the next couple of years, and they're going to add more here at the deadline. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think if a team called him Bukestad, it's not a guy that they're themselves are bringing up in conversations, I don't think, but it doesn't mean that you can't bring him up if you're another team. Three seconds, three thirds, two fourths. Next year, four seconds, two thirds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's like they're like the guys at the card table that are sitting there with you know, just hoarding all of the cards, just a, a mitful. You can't even tell what you've really got because you have so yeah. damn many of them. Matt Dumba's more to come. Yeah, and more to come. Surfacing around Toronto a little bit. Uh, as we know, Brad Tree Living's task here is to try and solidify a blue line that clearly needs at least an addition, if not a couple. Uh, so Dumba's name is popping up around here and there. Uh, is there a potential fit there, Pierre? You know, he's got to get these done, right? He's got to get this upgrade yeah. done. Yeah, I think it is possible. I mean, again, I think that Tana was the number one target, and the Leafs, mm -hmm. my understanding is, have had repeated conversations with the Flames, which I would love to be a fly in the wall for because, of oh. course, Brad Living and Craig Conroy, old, old pals from the same front office for many years. But that doesn't always work the way you think, by the way. I, I think there's everyone has pride and 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 competitive juices and. I always wonder about that. Just because you work with someone doesn't necessarily mean uh, that gives you a, an inside lane. So I don't know if they can get Tanev. But, um, but yeah, Dumba, I mean, the Leafs have called on Alexander Carrier in Nashville. They've called on Sean Walker in Philadelphia. They've checked with Anaheim and Labushkin. 
you name a D that you believe is on the market and the, and the Leafs have checked in on him. And, you know, the one thing I would say, though, is that with Morgan Riley suspended, the Leafs have got 4-0 <laughs> with yeah. what they've cobbled together. And, uh, you know, Benoit has been a great story for Toronto this year. Um, you know, McCabe has been really good. I mean, I don't know. Like, you may laugh, but you've heard this yourself, Ryan, from GMs. Every game at this time of year actually matters. I mean, front offices are watching their teams here in February and early March, and it inf- it honestly influences the level of urgency in terms of w- what you feel you need to do. And I think right now, while the Leafs still clearly, I think, need to add on the blue line to, to have a deep playoff run, going 4-0 without Morgan Riley was quite a statement. I mean, you have to point mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, no, I think I think that's totally fair. The conversation was, does the suspension expedite whatever right. trades he might have in the chamber out of fear of what this run might look like without Morgan Riley? Mm-hmm. Um, but he stayed calm, didn't overreact, used it as an opportunity to see what he had given some elevated minutes for players and maybe you learn something about your team, but, uh, but he still has to get it done. Doesn't he can't roll into the playoffs. Everybody knowing what your biggest weakness was putting it all on the line. I think so. I, I, and I think again, because the East is pretty wide open now. I like, you mm-hmm. know, I like Florida's chances and the Rangers chances probably more than anyone else, but it is wide open and we don't have to go that far back to see a 135 point Boston Bruins team knocked off first round last year to understand that anything you can do to give your team one more little edge um, could be a difference maker. And, and, you know, I don't think the Leafs are as deep as they were the last couple of years, um, you know, because of the cap and so on. So I think adding on the blue line is pretty paramount for them. No trade deadline discussion this year is complete without the Calgary flames being significantly a part of it. Craig Conroy, in your first rip through doing this, right? And he's been, look, he's been there. He's watched it happen before. Nobody's saying he's a newbie, but you got your hands firmly on the wheel for the first time. And you're just, the trade bait board is littered with assets that you're responsible for moving. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if you've had an opportunity to speak to the man, but how do you think it's going in Calgary? He's kind of staying the course and letting it ride here, waiting for deals that he likes. Well, I think it's important to note, and I think this has been underplayed so far in what's happening in Calgary this year, which has been a wild year for all kinds of reasons. But the fact that he's already moved Zadorov and Elias Lindholm is important to mm-hmm. note because you didn't want to get to the first week of March and still have everyone still there because that could really put a lot of pressure on a first-time GM. Now, we say first-time GM. I think also, you know, remember that Craig Cronroy is assembled by a lot of experience in that front office. You know, 100%. Maloney and Nonis and Pascal. There's a lot of people there that he is leaning on. So it's not like he's sitting there alone in his office every day. But the fact that they started moving, and especially Lindholm, that was the number one piece, that was really important. So now you can focus on D and what are you doing with Tanev and Hannafin. Uh, Jacob Markstrom. And the thing about Markstrom is that if he doesn't move him before March 8th, he may never move him, by the way, but if he doesn't move him from March 8th, that can be a summer conversation again. So there's a little less urgency there. The only thing I would say is Markstrom just turned 34 last month, mm-hmm. is having a really good year. And I think I would strike while the iron is hot here. Where the, you know, like I, I would try to move Markstrom now just because he's back, he looks good. 
when is there going to be a better time as he can, you know, as he gets older over the next couple of years of his contract. And the Noah Hannafin situation, uh, it, it, the ebb and flow of this thing through the year has been a little nuts, Pierre. It's like they're, you know, oh, they're talking contract. <laughs> never... oh, it's probably not. And oh, they're talking contract. And oh, it's probably not. Now we're back to the probably not stage and it's getting late, but it almost feels like the contract talks have kind of never really completely fallen off. It's been wild. I mean, again, back in the fall, we know for a fact that there was an eight-year deal on the table uh, worth around seven and a half million a year that he ended up not signing at the time for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then that led everyone to believe that he was definitely getting dealt. But then the two sides started talking again, as you just pointed out. And even now, when what we're gathering is that it's looking more likely that he's going to get dealt because he hasn't signed the extension, even as of yesterday, we were told that the Flames were still probably going to take one last crack at the extension thing. So I don't know. This one could go down the wire, but that's a major, major piece. Um, and again, there's zero, zero, zero chance, I think, that the Flames can allow him to get past March 8th without an extension or, or get dealt because they don't want to lose him for nothing July 1st and run that risk. So, yeah, that's, that, that's a big-time piece and such a different – type of player than Chris Tanner, right? These two defensemen in Calgary oh, yeah. bring different attributes, both extremely important, both coveted, um, but, um, and for that reason, kind of coveted by different teams too. Nine goals, 21 assists, 30 points uh, in what has been a heck of a season for Noah Hannafin so far. All right, great stuff, Pierre. That was the breakdown brought to you by Ken Print. Time to get to our feature interview of the day. Bill Zito. Took his team to the Stanley Cup Finals last season after a trade deadline where he made a decision to sort of stand pat, Pierre. I think how different the situation was for him last year when they were hanging around a wild card spot. Uh, but this year, boy, this team is rocking and rolling. They're here and legit. What stood out to you in the interview? I think what stood out is, um, you know, what stood out is that he feels that this team one of the reasons why they didn't take a step back after what some people thought was a surprise, you know, cup final appearance as a number eight seed. He was not surprised by what's happened this year. I mean, he's trying to, obviously he, he was very humble about it, but if you really listen to what he's saying, I think they expected this year to be exactly the way it's been. Mm -hmm. And remember a lot of people back in the preseason, Ryan, said, well, Florida might be in trouble. Ekblad's hurt. Montour's hurt. You know, you know, they went to the cup final, but how real is it that not everyone was on board? If you go back and look at what was said. And I think what came out is that that organization, I, remember they won the press. You know, they were first in the NHL two years ago, which I think was a little, a lot of overtime wins, a lot of shootout wins, but somewhere between that and now, I think the truth has come out here, which is that this is absolutely a legit, top five cup contender in the NHL and not just for this year, but I think they've got a core there that especially if they can get Reinhardt signed, uh, this team's going to stick around. I like how you hit him right between the eyes with the Reinhardt question. That's a big one. He's got a long to-do <laughs> list this off season, but nothing bigger than getting Sam Reinhardt done. Uh, hey. Here he is, Florida Panthers. Yeah, go ahead. No, I said, you got to ask that. <laughs> oh, hundred yeah. percent. He knew it was coming. Uh, and he gave us a great answer. Here is Florida Panthers general manager, Bill Zito. 
With an overtime win last night, the Florida Panthers now leading the National Hockey League in points percentage, second overall in the standings behind the Vancouver Canucks as we welcome in General Manager Bill Zito. I think about your headspace at last year's deadline, Bill, and where you were in the standings. I think scrapping it out for a wild card spot, much different uh, positioning compared to where you are now. Uh, maybe just take us through how different that must be for you as the decision maker uh, a lot different uh, situation for you to be making decisions from. Um, yeah, that, that it sounds a little whiny probably to say this, um, you know, that narrative last year, although, although the points were a reality, I think from January 1st on, we were among the top five, maybe less, but certainly top handful of teams in the league. So we knew we were clicking away pretty good. Um, and we wanted to keep the team together. Uh, we owed it to the group to, to give them the chance to, uh, to make the playoffs. Um, and at the same time, we, we, in a situation similar to where we are now, we didn't have a lot of currency to get in on some of the, some of the other things. So, um, this year's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We're going to have some space. Um, we have some late round picks, uh, but we, we're going to have to be very, very cautious and frugal with what we do and how we do it. With all that said, phone rings tomorrow. Who knows? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. This is a time of year where a lot of contenders look to, to add depth to their blue line, if not even a higher end piece. I feel like you kind of did all that last summer when you, Consider that you brought in OEL and uh, Kulikov and uh, signed Mikola. And I get that a lot of that was to sort of, you know, stem the tide while Ekblad and Montour were recovering, Bill. But now it's giving you a lot of depth on your blue line. Um, do you feel that way that you sort of did your trade deadline work last summer when it comes to that particular area of your team? I forget who the player was. This is going back probably a decade. Uh, Kenny Holland made the comment, someone came off IR and he said, that's my deadline ad. Right. Uh, and so if you look, for example, at Montour and Ekblad, had they come back in January or, you know, a couple weeks ago, then could we look at those two guys as our deadline ads? Just like you said, Pierre, um, possibly, but we're really, we're not going to add just to add, or we're not going to add just the, we have to be certain at least in our own minds, that whatever we do is going to make us better and give us a better chance. Not just about assets necessarily, but chemistry and mix in the locker room. I know that's something you pay really close attention to as well. And we see teams make dramatic changes at deadline time to teams that are already pretty good. Um, where's your head at on the mix you have in the locker room, the experiences they've had together, largely going to a cup final already, and maybe not want to over tinker or something like that. Exactly. Um, teams win, right? Not individuals. So the integrity of the group, the integrity of the room, and I guess what we could call the community, it's just all fancy words for team, right? Mm -hmm. um, our, our bunch of guys is a unique, uh, it's a unique team. They, they get along, they have empathy for each other, they care about each other. And I think 
you hear that a lot in sports, particularly when teams are winning. But in this instance, um, it, it goes beyond. And uh, it's very, very important. And without it, we, we wouldn't have the success. So, yeah, it's something that we pay particular attention to and uh, are mindful of it, uh, ever mindful of it now as, as we uh, head down the home stretch. Bill, one thing I noticed last night is head coach Paul Maurice tinkered with his lines a bit entering the third period as you, or maybe it was second period, I can't remember, but, you know, trying to find something else going there with your team, you know, it was sort of a, you kind of grinded out an overtime win over Ottawa. But it, it also led me to think about this, which is that there seems to be a lot of flexibility in your four group where Paul Maurice can do that, first of all. But number two, you know, sort of the counter to Ryan's question about, you know, chemistry and so on. I think if you do go out and add, let's say, a top nine forward before March 8th, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you have the comfort of knowing whoever that is, if you get that player, can fit in different ways because of the way some of your players can play up and down the lineup. Is that fair? Yeah, we've been blessed with the flexibility of, geez, almost every forward. I mean, certainly the top nine. You have cousins who who played with Kachuk and Bennett in the playoffs, right? Who could play in the fourth line? You have Rodriguez who goes back and forth. You have Luce Ryan who is a center. Lundell's a center. Reinhardt's a center. Um, Verhage goes back between the two lines. I mean, I guess the constants now are, you know, Sasha and Reinhardt. But even until this year, Sam Reinhardt was with Lundell, right? Um, and so the flexibility and the openness and willingness of, of everybody to say, hey, whatever it takes, um, it's, it's a tremendous benefit. Right. And As I noticed said, that – hold ahead, on, you. Ryan. I, I just want to follow up because I, I noticed that you cleverly uh, deflected and stick-handled around my point about maybe adding a top nine forward. So let me <laughs> – take a second run at you there. <laughs> Is that – I mean, hey, okay. Response A: Have you one for sale for me? <laughs> B: um, Yeah, top nine forwards uh, tend not to be cheap. They, right. uh, I made a joke to somebody. Uh, you know, I need to buy an Armani suit, but I can't really go to Madison Avenue. I have to wait till it gets to TJ Maxx. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, Look, there could be a player available at any time. Someone could blow our socks off and you just have to do it. You don't have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. But um, for the most part, we have to see what's available to us. And then um, any ad at this point would be, uh, you know, frosting on the cake, if you will, or sprinkles on the frosting, however you want to characterize it. So, sure, you can always use a better player. And we do have a core of players who are readily adapt to different situations, who understand winning as a team, who enjoy uh, winning and success, and who are smart enough to figure out that no matter how much individual success you have, you always have more if you win. Mm-hmm. So you had a team, as you mentioned, that finished incredibly strong last season all the way to a Stanley Cup final. When you evaluate this year's group, what growth do you see, and how do you compare this group to the one that got all the way to the last series last year? Where do you think you're at? 
the growth um, the growth question, I would say one of the more obvious areas of growth would be moving from that uh, underdog kind of they're trying, they're fighting to get in type desperation to trying to maintain that standard of urgency, professionalism, playing hard when you're the favorite, right? When, you know, and it, when I say the favorite, I don't mean literally, I mean sort of figuratively with regard to mm-hmm. where you are in the standings or, you know, a player team that looks pretty good for making the playoffs. And you go into situations and like, you need to have that hardness, that consistency, the focus and attention to detail. And I think we're, we're ahead of our group last year um, in, in being ever mindful because it's a hard thing to do. How do you think the group has been able to avoid uh, the cup final hangover? You know, I mean, teams, I mean, teams have talked about this for a long time, Bill, and, and it seems to be harder on, on some teams than others, but it, it, it feels like you guys, you guys look like you got energy in your legs and, and you look like you're ready to go here. Well, we weren't at the party, so we were probably not hung over. Uh, you know, for me, I, I can't speak for the guys, but um, it, it, it absolutely uh, tears at you and it gnaws at you. And it's something that as you prepare for the next season and even as we prepare every day, it wasn't very pleasant. So um, perhaps that um, – we did have to have some new players come in um, and it took a little while to start for everybody to, to gel and to, to buy in and to understand what was going on. Um, so perhaps the fact that some of the new guys weren't part of that and they're trying and learning and they're all great people um, and they all sort of needed, it was an interesting group with, with Oliver Edmund Larson and, and Nico Mikola and, and Cooley, um, you know, they, they, they needed the chance, right? They wanted to get in and start playing regular and do those things. So maybe that was as much a part of it. Wanted to ask you about Carter Verhage. So 33 points in his last 24 games, seventh most since late December. Uh, I mean, you don't hear his name in certain conversations that maybe they should be in. Uh, how underrated, maybe undervalued league-wide do you think this player is? How impressed are you with where his game has been at the last couple of years? Yeah, he's, he's not very good. If I were another team, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be interested. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, no he's, he's over it. Uh, he's, he's such a unique uh, talent. And... Uh, it's strange. I think that there's a lot of things about our team and our players that are the, the go underrated. Um, but his scoring ability in tandem with his speed and his work ethic are they're unique. Um, he's, uh, he's not the biggest guy, but he'll play hard and he'll go and he'll take hits. Um, he, he is fast. Um, I just think that his character, if you know him as a person and then you see him on the ice, they, they, his on ice performance sort of reflects his personality. Yeah. Uh, 
happy. I've never seen him in a bad mood. Um, uh, always willing to tease and get teased. Uh, but that he has the, the it factor with regard to scoring goals. If he gets the puck, um, you know, a lot of people with good shots, they shoot. He aims. Hmm. He knows where it's going. And um, that's uh, it's a special skill. I don't know if you noticed this, Bill, but Sam Reinhardt's having a career season. Um, and uh, he's he's a pending UFA. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought he did a pretty good job at All-Star here in Toronto. Uh, you know, he had a big media session, and obviously he was getting a lot of questions on that. But like the veteran that he is, he was, he, he, you know, he's tick-handled around that. So now it's your turn. I mean, he's uh, he's obviously – Having a huge year, and he, and I know he wants to be a Panther, and you want to keep him. So where would you say that thing is at right now? Yeah, it's a tough dynamic. Um, I, I guess you could say selfishly, um, but certainly selfishly on behalf of the, on behalf of the Panthers, um, want to keep it together. And we think we have a way that we can. Um, we think we have a way to get everybody paid pretty handsomely. Um, and at the same time, we, you have to respect the individual, right? Like, you have to. And um, where there's a will, there's a way. And I, I, I think that hopefully we'll be able to solve that part of the equation. Um, he is a... Uh, as wonderful as a goal scorer as he's been this season, what does get overlooked and underrated is the rest of his play. Um, he is a he has an elite hockey mind. Um, I was talking to him yesterday. Like, yeah, I think two games ago he went between the legs on a, on a goal front, like kind of mm-hmm. a fancy play. But for the most part, he does it. He makes the right play like every time. It's simple, but it always sort of ends up continuing wherever he is on the ice. He moves the puck, and it keeps going. The play keeps happening. Um, defensively, he's excellent. And then most important, he, he's a leader in the room. He's a super, super character guy. Um, he cares a lot about the team and about team success. I, I can't say enough about it. So, so wait, are so, you are you the GM or the agent in this conversation here? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm maybe I'm the agent too. Um, <laughs> so if there's a way to work it out, I'm confident that we will. Looking at your uh, to-do list, and I know he's got to be uh, at or near the top of it, obviously, but you've got a lot of contracts that need to be worked through here in this offseason. Sort of a lot of work that needs to be done. How are you feeling about, uh, you know, looking at just the sheer number of forwards? You only have a couple D-men that are under – uh, as well, an opportunity to reshape maybe in some ways, but a, a pretty long to-do list here, Bill. The uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. The luxury that I enjoy is a software program called Excel. <laughs> okay, and addition. So you add it all up, and you can only spend so much. We're going to spend all of it. So who and how we divvy it up, someone's going to want to play here. Mm. Some good players are going to want to stay for lots of money. 
So that's the, there's no other way to really look at it. Otherwise you, you, you get frustrated and you, um, I think, yeah, we have a lot of contracts, but we need to be mindful of individuals. We need to be mindful of some of the things that we tell players when they come, come here. If you need a jump start, you need a restart, come play. You have good players. You have a good situation. Uh, you have a coaching staff. <clears throat> that isn't going to spend a lot of time telling you what you do wrong. Uh, they'll, they'll celebrate what you do well. And so then they do this and they have success. And then maybe they have to go because they, for whatever, you know, they need uh, or decide to make more money. But <clears throat> it's, I think we have a group that wants to be here. And I think we have a way uh, to keep most of the guys. Uh, but time will tell. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that postcard you out your back window doesn't hurt too much either, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, when I first came, uh, our, our owner, Vinny Viola, said, you have to change everything upside down. It's a, con- you know, country club, whatever the, <clears throat> whatever the theme was. And I thought perhaps we were going to need more discipline, more rules. And I learned very, very quickly that if we just take care of the hard work and the enthusiasm for hockey and for the game and accountability and sincere desire to win, that the rest of the stuff's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, we want guys playing golf. We want guys going, going for walks on the beach. We want guys outside. Um, they just built a new practice facility right down where most of the players live Um it's gorgeous. It's, you know, in a park, guys can take their golf carts. So what we're trying to do is make sure that we take time to be people, that our families are able to enjoy the geography of where we live and the environment where we live and maintain those, the hockey and work ethic standards as high as we can. And so it's, it's, we're blessed. Bill, last question for me. And thanks again for, for joining us uh, on Got Your Back. Um, you know, we asked you about yeah. your trade deadline, but just the league overall, if you look around your colleagues and what they're up to, no one in the Eastern Conference has actually really added yet. It's still two and a half weeks to the deadline. We saw Vancouver and Winnipeg out in the West. But I know what you're probably going to say, but I find it interesting you know, how GMs sit back and suddenly a rival, a team that you know you may have to go through, does something in the next two and a half weeks. How do you react to that? And do you have to make sure you don't let the emotion take over in that moment? That, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, I guess, is what I'm asking. I'm probably a, an outside-of-the-box thinker on this one. Um, you build your team. Absent injuries, uh, you move forward. If there's a player that you can get that you think will help you, both on the ice, maintain the integrity of the community in the room, yeah, you do it. Um, the, the cost to, to acquire this asset isn't so significant. It's going to just kill me down the road. Can I recover from it? Is there a way maybe I can um, find an alternative? All those factors go into the decision making. I, I don't think what what Kansas City does or New York or Detroit is part of that equation. 
there's either an asset that's going to help you or it isn't. And ultimately, you have to be responsible to yourselves, right? So at least for me, um, particularly this year, because pick a team. Pretty wide open. Yeah. No, just pick a team that you would think or is going to add someone. Oh, well, I would say the New York Rangers will probably add. Okay, so the Rangers, and who are they going to add? Make, make it a pretty significant one. <laughs> Let's give them Adam Henrique from the Anaheim Ducks. What do you think? Okay, so all oh, Rangers got Henrique. I come into the room, oh, my God, Rangers got Henrique. We got to go get one. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> okay, well, we can give Barkoff. No, no, we can't. We could, we could trade one of the free agents. Yeah, okay. So we so we trade pick one, I don't care, one of the free agents. Now we got to go get that guy. Right. So so in in the circumstances that we're dealing with right now are are um really focused on our group, our needs, what we can get, how we get it and um that that's where that's where we sit. So Makes sense. Sorry, it's not the sexiest answer, but but it's, it's the it's a truthful one. That's what we want. I thought it was a it's pretty a damn good answer. Actually, truthful. I thought it was yeah. awesome, Bill. So was the whole but, interview. But, you know, so much of this is 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 honestly media driven, right? Like deadline day and shows and what clicks are you talking about? <laughs> Trade center. Yes, yeah, I I've read things like Florida's in on this, and I'm like, is anybody? Does any, did anyone call? Because I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and then, of course, you get you get uh, people in the organization. You get friends and family. Are you guys doing that? No. <laughs> um, so uh, I understand. I think it's wonderful uh, as a fan. Um, it, it's a great. It's a great time. It's a great time, and it, it's it's just sort of about the enthusiasm for our game and for your team and your franchise. And uh, uh, so we're we're pretty fortunate that you know we are able to have all of this excitement and fun um, in the midst of the stress and trying to win and whatever. So it's you know we we we're lucky that we work in a great sport. Well. The minute we hear something about the Florida Panthers, both Pierre and I are coming directly to you. So we expect prompt responses on deadline day to either confirm or shoot down you, reports. Yes, I can't. I won't. Um, that, you know, it, it, having but, tried that, I can tell you it's radio silence from that guy. It's, uh, oh, man. Hey. Well, you got to try. Yeah. Well, we have in Columbus, we did a trade. And. The team was calling us back. Um, it was, you know, clearly wasn't registered. No one had told, we had no one had talked to the player. We hadn't even exchanged phone numbers. Bob McKenzie had it on TV. And the other team called us and was like, what the hell? How could you do that? Well, there was only three of us in the room. We hadn't left. Like us, how could you do that? And it was, it was a GM that was a friend and he was, there's only two people here. No one left the room. We're like Bob McKenzie's got our phones. So yeah, Bobby, lots Mack. of fun. Yeah, trade deadline master Bill. Thanks so much yeah. for yeah. thanks so much for doing this. We appreciate the time. Continued success. Good luck at the deadline, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. 
Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Many thanks once again to Bill Zito and the Florida Panthers for taking some time at what I'm sure is a very busy time of year. How about that look out the back of his office? Like, no surprise, a guy that's got to do as much work as he does signing-wise has that out his back window for the interview. I mean, that right there is an advertisement for, you know, reasons why you should sign on the dotted line. I I almost wanted to point my camera outside to what I'm looking out at at Edmonton here. Not complaining, love it here, just say it. I'm sure you heard the story from during the playoffs last year when Sam Bennett revealed that a year before that, when the Calgary Flames were in were in South Florida, that him and Matthew Kachuk and a few other Flames went out for dinner before a Calgary Florida game, and Sam Bennett's like, you know, wearing the flip flops. This is how I go to work, boys. You don't think that yeah. planted a seed in Matthew Kachuk right then? They're like, come on. Oh man. <laughs> And, and I remember we had Matthew Kachuk on the podcast and he talked about how, you know, how much he was golfing, wearing flip-flops, going to the beach. And I remember thinking at the time, like, how would the organization handle that? Like players, you know, the amount of golf you play during the season, time you spent, is that frowned upon? Like, how do you kind of, because you want to keep players dialed in. There's this feeling like you got, you know, you can't get distracted. How do you take it serious? But I thought Bill Zito did a really nice job at addressing that. He said, look, if you take care of the work ethic, then it doesn't matter. They're leaning into it as opposed mm-hmm. to pretending it's not there or wanting to show how focused they are on just hockey PR. I thought that was interesting. Well, uh, you bring up a great point. And listen, every player is wired differently, so you don't want to say that this is particularly a uniform answer for every player. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to imagine – you know, that from a mental health perspective, being able to park your job at the rink and actually, you know, relax. Hop in a golf cart? Go yeah, no, I mean, yeah. seriously, go, go sit on the beach um, is is therapeutic, um, you know, because it's a grind of a season and this is a team that plans and hopes to play into June again. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All right, buddy. That'll wrap up this week's edition. Uh, thank you kindly. I expect Mike Johnson to be back on board next week as we hurtled towards the trade deadline, pal. So thanks for this. We'll talk soon. Right on, right on. Right on, right on, right on. Thanks to you for your downloads and your subscriptions here on Got Your Back. It's much appreciated. Uh, and a big thanks to our title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear and Kinprint as well. Have a great finish to your week, and we will chat next week. See you, everybody. everybody.